You're listening to Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. On today's show, we'll be talking about some games played, followed by some games that we're looking forward to, and we'll try a new segment out, which will be poorly described games. And then we'll get into our top three expansions. This is episode 25, and we are your hosts. I'm Brandon. I'm Justine. And no Hristo today. Maybe he'll join us a little bit later. Uh, Justine, have you had any board game endeavors lately? Um, I, my, or Matt and I went a little crazy on the Geek Store on Board Game Geek and bought a whole bunch of promos. Um, I want to talk about some of those more in the Games Looking Forward To segment. Um, but yeah, we spent quite a bit of money on just little promos. <laughs> I, nice, yeah. Oh, um, I'm a big fan of promos, even if it doesn't change the game, but if it just adds even just a card or a few cards, I'm all for yeah. it. Um, I have been diving into Prospero Hall games. So I'll, I'll talk about it on Games Played, a particular game that made me go, well, I'm just going to try a lot of them. So these are games that we often on the show refer to as target games. And I think what I'm going to do, I think I'm going to do a lone bonus episode just randomly and do a top 10 of like, which is the best of these games so that you, whoever listening, doesn't have to do what I did, which is spend a bunch of money at Target for games. Um, yeah, I'll probably do that list in a while because I got to play through them. But I'm going to watch the movies if they're connected to movies and then play the game and then do the bonus episode. That's a good idea. I like that idea. Yeah, I'll spend money so you don't have to. Yeah. All right. So we played some games recently and Justine is going to start. So this week, Matt and I went ahead and played um, Newton and Tris Magistus. And the reason we played these two games is that they are, uh, they feel very similar. Um, they're both Italian designers. Uh, Newton is Simone Luciani and Nestore Man- Magnoni, I think is how you say it. And then Tris Magistus is Danielle Tashini and Federico Pier Lorenzi. Um, and we know Tashini and Luciani tend to like team up in games a lot. Um, so it was interesting to see their take on this these two games. Matt and I almost wonder if they started designing a game together and had such different ideas that they went and did their own separate game. So Newton is based on Sir Isaac Newton, but the theme is not there. You're not like discovering gravity. Um, (laughs) Basically, you're taking your scientist and hopping around Europe and visiting different cities, as well as your students are making different discoveries for you, all to serve the purpose of filling up your bookshelf with books. Um, Trismegistus is all about alchemy and you are, um, playing or you're 
trying to collect ingredients that you're turning into other things, the stereotypical turn lead into gold, um, to do different experiments, and that's kind of how you get points in Tris Magistus. Um, they just feel the same because they've got the same kind of like building a bookshelf mechanism in it. In one, it's not a bookshelf, but it's the same idea. You're putting squares together to form rows and columns to get points and do different things. Um, but they're very different. I would say Tris Magistus is more thematic. You definitely feel more like a um, alchemist doing alchemy, whereas Newton feels like a very solo version of a game. You're wandering around a map of Europe collecting things. But I like them both, and I just kind of want to know the story of their development. I want to know if they started together and separated, or if they just kind of had the same brainwave at the same time. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I had interest in both of these. I didn't play Trismegistus, but uh, it looks good. Um, I'm wondering, is 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 Tris uh, like a heavier, bigger game than Newton? Because it looks like it. Yeah, it can be heavier. Um, I don't know. It It definitely feels heavier when you're playing it, but it doesn't look as heavy, if that makes sense. Because there's lots of dice in Trismegistus. There's lots of cards. So, like, when I see lots of dice and lots of cards on a game, I tend to assume it's not as heavy. But this one, definitely, when you're, fe when you're playing, it feels a lot heavier than you would think. I see. Okay, so back in early June, I pre-ordered Back to the Future Back in Time by Prospero Hall. In preparation to that, I decided to watch the first film, which is based on... After watching the first film, I watched the second and the third then i read three comic books and then i listened to some podcasts about back to the future i watched this uh, josh gad on youtube has this great show where it's called reunited apart where he reunites cast of of nostalgic uh movies and and interviews them and so it kind of does a show via zoom um, and I listened to the soundtrack a bunch. And basically what I'm saying is it only takes a spark of interest to start a forest fire of obsession for me. Yeah. And I didn't even play the game yet. You know, I had gone through all this stuff and then the game came and I played it. Um, it's by Prospero Hall, as I said. Let me just mention that Prospero Hall has this really great way of doing, uh, of presenting their games. What I mean by that is that, first of all, the boxes all look really great. When you open up the box, typically you're going to find something really cool right away. Like in Horrified, you open it up and on the back of the game board, which is facing you right when you pull it out, <laughs> it's this warning of like, you know, of terrifying uh, things happening, which isn't that terrifying, but super fun, right? The Shining yeah. has like the rule book is like... Um, all work and no play makes Jack a doll boy written all over the rule book over and over again. So back to the future back in time uh, does not shy away from this. You open up the box and you see the flux capacitor on the back of the board. And then you pull that out and you get the rule book, which is the, the comic book cover from the movie. Uh, when he first, when Marty first crashes into the barn in 1955, um, a little kid is telling his dad that it's an alien and he, he shows him a comic book and it's that comic book cover, which it's like tales from space. And I think 
it says um um in this uh, in this issue space people from pluto which reminds me of my favorite back to the future fun fact here it is so the executives at back to the future on back to the future wanted to change the name they didn't like back to the future so they faxed over during production of back to the future they faxed over and one of the executives said i have a name change for back to the future it's spaceman from pluto and here's some changes you can make to the movie that it will make sense and bob gale the writer and robert zemeckis the director were like this is terrible so they brought it to steven spielberg who was producer and he said don't worry i have this he faxed the executive back and he said thanks for the great joke we've had a lot of laughs here keep them coming and he was too proud to 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 fax back and tell him that he was serious so they got to keep the name back to the future anyway <clears throat> the game is a cooperative game and what you're doing is you're trying to go through the obstacles that you're doing in the first in the first movie which is get uh george mcfly and lorraine baines to fall in love and stay in love while biff is messing with their love you have these six tiles that are is the picture in the game so it's uh marty mcfly and his siblings on the back of these tiles is just the background so you flip them over and they disappear you know like like in the movie so if all of them disappear then you've blipped out of time and you've lost the game um, you're also trying to get to the, Delo the DeLorean to the last three spots on the board. But before it will go past Doc Brown's house, you need to collect three items, which is gas and the hook and the cable. Okay, so once you get those things, they go to Doc Brown's house and you can continue to move the DeLorean. Yeah. You need to do all this before the clock hits 10.04 p.m., which will send Marty back to the future. Um, you're doing these things by rolling dice. You have tiles on your board and, and everybody is going to have uh, some different tiles. Like they're going to have two tiles of colored dice, the same colored dice. There's four sets of colored dice, each dice being able to do the thing that it, it's trying to do. So like the yellow dice move the DeLorean, the pink mm -hmm. dice let George and Lorraine fall in love. But each of the dice has wilds on them and those wilds can be used for other challenges. So you flip over these dice to either move because every single one of them has a move three spaces. So you could flip over one or more to move or you can flip them over to cr start creating a dice pool. So I could try to move the DeLorean by adding two yellow dice to my pool and maybe a green one and hope that I can roll a wild on the green. The thing is, is I could re-roll any of my dice that I want as long as they don't have Biff heads. These Biff heads lock in the dice and they move Biff. And if Biff gets to the spot and there's still excess Biff heads, then it's going to lower the love track. And the love track yeah. is going to make the pictures disappear. So what do I think about this game? I think it is extremely thematic. Like all the art and all the things that you're doing and even the dice chucking like you're just like everybody's wanting this to happen it feels very thematic 
The gameplay is pretty good. And overall, I had a great time playing this game. And I had very large expectations for it too. The first time we played it, we lost. We blipped out of time, out of, we blipped out of existence. Mm -hmm. And we set it right back up to play it again. And we won, but we just barely won. Like it really felt like the movie. Like we just barely got the DeLorean to the spot at 10.04 p.m. We played it a third time and lost. So I think either this game is pretty hard, which is good for a co-op game. You don't want it to be easy. Or we suck. I'm leaning on that it's hard. But uh, yeah. a very enjoyable experience. I think if you are a big fan of Back to the Future like I am, you're going to want this game. If you don't really care about Back to the Future, but you like co-op games and you don't mind some dice rolling, then I would check out this game. But if, you, if none of those appeal to you, um, I don't think it's gonna. this game is going to be for you. However, there's also, uh, I didn't mention, but there's other tiles you can get to add to your player board. And there's a lot of dice mitigation. So it's not just luck of the die because you can mitigate some of these die rolls. But also you could re-roll, so it almost feels like this press your luck game. But there's a lot going on. There's a lot that you need to do, and you need to spread out to do these things on your own and come together. Because if you're on the same space, you could you could flip over your your tiles on somebody else's turn and roll dice with them. Except you have to keep in mind that you're you're not going to flip back over those. Those aren't going to refresh until the end of your turn. So you're, but I mean, it's all for the greater good of the game because you're all working together. But yeah. um, I, I was very happy with this game, and that's Back to the Future Back in Time. Not to be confused with Back to the Future Dice Through Time, which came out just a few weeks later. So that's going to be very confusing. There's two Back to the Future games that came out in 2020 right now. One is called Back Through Time, Back in Time. One's called Dice Through Time. So yeah. also what's very confusing is they're both at Target, and one is Ravensburger, and the other one is Funko. Prospero Hall has designed games with both of them. I'm talking about back in time, though. <laughs> yeah. That sounds really cool. I, I and it, Just listening to you talk about it brought up nostalgic memories of watching Back to the Future with my mom. Oh, man, I love the franchise. I'm such a geek for it, especially now. Yeah, and I loved the, the little tidbit about the name because I remember when I was really little, I couldn't ever get the name right. So I never knew what to call it to ask to watch it. Yeah, I mean, it's called Back to the Future, but technically he's not going to the future. He's going to the present and he goes into the past. But for everyone else in 1955, he's from the future and going back to the future, right? Yeah, it sounds like a really fun game and a really good implementation of, like like you said, the theme of it. It sounds like they didn't skimp on making sure there was theme. Yeah, I think Prospero Hall is really good at that. Um, they, they're good at, at the very least, making the theme come through. Yeah. The gameplay is is usually not like groundbreaking or, you know, some kind of huge evolution in board games. But I think with my IP games, like if I if it's a movie I like, that's I think the main thing that I'm focusing on is that it is it thematic. And everything else could be a little secondary. Of course, the game has to be good, but it doesn't have to be like tremendously brain scratchingly like strat strategic. So this did it yeah. for me. 
That sounds fun. I definitely want to give that a try sometime. Um, so Matt and I have continued our streak with Gaia Project. Um, I think I've talked about that the past three episodes, but this week we tried a, something different. We have not wanted to do our two-player variant that we use for Terra Mystica with Gaia Project just because it doesn't seem necessary because Gaia Project comes with a two-player setup where you have fewer tiles with fewer planets, so you're already crowded together a little bit more. Um, but we kind of played that version of it out to the point where we were kind of bored with it. So we play a version where we have the full four-player setup and we each nominate two factions to play. So there's four factions. And then we auction for which factions we're going to play and we end up playing two. Um, same idea as our Terra Mystica variant. Your faction with the lowest score is your score. So you're kind of trying to help your factions get higher and higher scores. And it makes the game so much better <laughs> at two players. It's so fun to see because with a four-player game and with this variant, your factions can explode. You can um, you get so many more power actions. You get power by people building next to you. Um, you can fly up the tech tracks a lot easier. Whereas in a two-player game with two factions, we were getting, you know, maybe up one tech track all the way for each of us. Now we're regularly getting up to two or three for each different faction that we're playing. Um, and it's just really fun. The strategy in it is really neat. Um, figuring out how your two factions are going to interact with each other to help each other is really fun. And then the hardest decision at the end of the game is deciding which of your factions is going to win. So which one you can kind of pull back on and not have to go as hard. We've had quite a few games where um, one of us has lost because the our faction that was in the lead had taken too many points away from their partner. Um, it's just a really interesting variant to it. There's a lot to think about. Um, and it might not be the best of sportsmanship that I have, but I have a half a shot at beating Matt when we play this way. <laughs> which is not normal so yeah it's it's really fun i enjoy it yeah i do like the fact that you guys take these uh these games that that say two players on the on the box like that they could play two players but really doesn't work well and you guys make them work because with guy project it would just be way too open right yeah and, and the the game comes with uh because it's all tiles instead of a board so you have fewer tiles with fewer planets but it's still just way too open and there's not enough player interaction there. Yeah, so you're just Even. pretty much playing a solo game too. Yeah, basically. It's just who can play it better. This um, version of it that we play adds in that extra element of you know the teamwork between the two factions and you can figure out how they can help each other. It's really cool. Nice. All right, so that was some games that we've played. So up next is some games that we're looking forward to. All right, we're going to do things a little differently on games looking forward to. We're just going to talk about two games that um, 
I think that we're both just kind of curious on. Uh, mm-hmm. The first one is Pendulum, which is the new Stonemeyer game that will be released this year. It's not from Jamie Stegmeyer, it's from Travis P. Jones. And the interesting thing about this game, it says that it's turnless. It's a turnless game, and time is your resource. Hmm. Um, I mean, it, 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 there's, there's a. They've been so he's been releasing um, just a little things here and there. He's been going on live Facebook to just like kind of release little tidbits about it. They just released some pictures recently, uh, and the game looks nice, like most. Stonemire games do, and gorgeous. Yeah, and the, the mechanisms, like the explanation for for all of his games, this company's games, is uh, always intriguing to me. Do they always work in practice to an extent? But it doesn't always like hit with me well. But I am curious about this one. It's going to be up for pre-order soon. And it looks like there's some uh, some sand timers in it. I don't know if mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like a speed game where everyone's going at, at at once, or if you're placing, or if it's like workers, like in Kitchen Rush. It looks like it's it is workers because there's there's some colored um, sand timers, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, uh, more on this later, I guess. But uh, very interesting. Yeah. It looks gorgeous. There's little wooden workers. Oh, is there? Okay. Yeah, so I don't know. It looks really cool. Yeah, it Um, looks like there's maybe just three sand timers, a green, purple, and black, so that just might represent different things, not actually workers. Yeah. It says that uh, BGG says simultaneous action selection. And different worker types. That's a fun spin on worker placement that I really enjoy. Oh, yeah. I see the meeples. Yeah, and there's different ones. Cool. Yeah, that seems pretty interesting. This was... Um, so they, they'll send a newsletter out, and they'll, they'll show like games that they're working on and their progress, but they don't release the title of the, the name until they've re- like released information about it. So if you're curious, this was um, under the code name SAND. Mm-hmm. All right, the next one I am actually really looking forward to. I don't even care if there's not much information on it, but it's called uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak. Is it Arnak? Yeah, Arnak. Arnak or Arnak? Arnak. It's uh, from CGE. It'll be uh, their release this year. Uh, this one combines deck building and worker placement in a game of exploration, resource management, and discovery. In addition to traditional deck building effects, cards can also be used to place workers and new worker actions become available as players explore the island. Uh, So this sounds really cool, man. Like I'm usually on board with all CGE games. Like they, they'll do like, this is going to be their exploration game, but it's not going to be an exploration game. I think that you've seen in the past, it's going to be a Euro version of it, which really excites me that that's kind of what CGE has become is like taking these almost like a Marathrash type games and turning them into Euro games. So for me, this is very exciting. Yeah. 
it looks really cool. There's no pictures of actual like the board or anything, but the cover looks cool. I think the description sounds really interesting. Yeah, oh, the box is doing it for me for sure. I really like the the look of the box. Um, yeah, and the description is very extremely interesting. Like deck building and worker placement and placing workers with deck building. It's gonna, I think it's going to be interesting. Yeah. It says that decks are small and randomness in the game is heavily mitigated by the wealth of tactical decisions offered by the game board. So, cool. Yeah, it looks really interesting. Uh, do you have anything else, Justine? Um, I was just going to talk about some of the promos Matt and I got in our uh, shopping spree on Geek. Oh, yeah, let's, let's hear about them. So the first thing we got wasn't so much a promo. Um, it was a it was a box that came with four promos, and we bought it because it came with a promo for just one, um, which we've talked about before, and a promo for Ice Cool. And I'm looking forward to playing both of these once we can get the group back together because they're really cool. So the just one promo set is just like I think 10 or 15 new cards, but all the words on the cards have to do with board games. Oh, that's great. And not like Monopoly or whatever, but they've got like board game designers. They've got Catan. Um, I can give some examples. If, yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's hear some examples. For example, like the top card, the words are concept to call Monopoly, Bruno Cathala and Carcassonne. Oh, cool. There's another one that has like Time's Up, Magic, Diplomacy, Scrabble, and Tom Lehman. So, I mean, it's not all games that we usually play, but you know, you can kind of go with it. Oh, I yeah. Sounds way fun. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I don't mind that they have a, a couple of mass market games in there because that could probably oh, add some more fun. Uh, maybe, yeah. I think some of the descriptions could be um, pretty funny on those. Man, I'm looking. Yeah. How many? Do you say ten cards? Thirteen. Thir oh, so you could play an entire game with it, right? Yep. Yep. You could play a whole game. That's amazing. That's cool. And what does the ice cool one add? So the ice cool one adds walruses. So they're just little um, cardboard standy walruses. Oh, that you got to knock over, right? Yeah, you I put just them saw in this. different rooms, and if you hit them, you get an extra turn. And you can like chain them so you can hit one and then hit one and then hit one. And then so th they that. they stand up after your turn where they last got hit hit two, right? Yeah. So they're going to be going all over the board. Man, that uh -huh. yeah, that sounds really cool too. Man, I want to play both these. Yeah. So those were the two that we got in the box. The box was called. Oh, it's German. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's called the classic goodie box. I'm not even going to try and pronounce the other, the main title. But then, of course, you know, because it's a box of things, we got a promo for a game called Leo Goes to the Barber. <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> I never heard of that it game. Was, neither have I. It looks like it's about a lion. And then we got a promo for Imhotep that neither Matt nor I have. So, 
Oh yeah, I w- I would, I'd like to try that game sometime. I've never played it, but um, I almost got the two-player version just recently. But uh, yeah, we almost got the two-player. Yeah. Um. So that was our main purchase, but we got a few other. We got some extra tiles for uh, Teotihuacan. Another tile for um, Puerto Rico. Just kind of little stuff like that. Did all of that come in the classic goodie box? Uh, the four, the Just One, Ice Cool, Leo, and um, Imhotep all came in the goodie box. Okay. But then everything else we bought was kind of separate. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. So all that's right. kind of our, what I'm looking forward to. Nice. So that is what we've been looking forward to. So up next, our new segment. All right. This new segment is going to take the place of topic every once in a while. Depending on how this goes, we're just going to try it out for the first time. So if it works out, you could say you've been there from the beginning. Uh, So what is this? We're going to play a game between us. So one of us is going to describe a game poorly. We're going to poorly describe the game, either using the mechanics or the theme or a mix of the two, however we want to do it. And the other person has to guess what game it is. So we'll do one right now as an example. Justine, go for it. Okay, my first one is, if 2020 happened in the 18th century. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, Oh, is this... I'm thinking, I think it, I can't remember the name. Is it a Steffenfeld game? No. Oh, I was thinking it was the dragon. What's the Steffenfeld dragon, dragon something? Year of the dragon. Oh, that would have been good though. Because it's all <laughs> disasters, you know? It's a better answer than mine. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is, what's the answer? Lisboa. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, that works. That works. Yeah. Yeah. I could have uh, just gone with the year of the dragon. That would have been better. <laughs> you got it right. Uh, no, but like, yeah, because, uh, well, especially in certain areas, because we got we got the pandemic, then we got an earthquake right on top of it. And uh, yeah, yeah Lishbo, you got the earthquake, you got the tsunami, you got the fires. And they got locked in. Actually, they uh-huh. got they got locked into the city to have to rebuild. So that definitely works. Okay. Here's mine. Piggyback rides to get rubies faster than everyone else. Huh. Piggyback rides to get rubies. My first thought was camel up, but you don't get rubies in camel up. Um, oh, what is that game called? I love this game. So I have to look at my game show. Uh, <laughs> Istanbul. It is Istanbul. Nice. Nicely done. Okay. Um, my next one, and this one might be tricky. Um, you will sing the ABCs multiple times while playing this game. You will sing the ABCs. Wow. Huh. Multiple times. Will you sing it out loud? Uh, you don't have to. Huh. Uh, let 
me guess um, Snowdonia. No. This was maybe not fair, because now that I'm realizing this, I don't think you've played this game. It's oh. Ex Libris. Oh, I have. I have. I have played that game. Um, yeah, I own it. Oh, I get it, too. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you're definitely doing the ABCs in your head the entire game. <laughs> right? Yeah. I was thinking Snowdonia because just the uh, the actions are like A, B, C, D, you know, oh, in that yeah. order. But I mean, you are not you're not like saying those you're just going through them but yes you are absolutely doing that next libris that's a good one uh-huh okay i don't know if you've played this game and if you have i bet okay. it was just like once a while ago um uh-huh. but I'll, I'll but i'll say it anyway describe describing stories that never actually happened told to you by fairies and boogeymen Describing stories that never actually happened. Told to you by fairies and boogeymen. If you played this game, that's going to be the biggest hint, I think. It's the fairies and boogeymen. But if you've only played this game once a while ago, I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think I've played this game. I'll give you a hint. It's a party game. Is it... Dixit? No. Dang it. But but it does relate to that game. They have similar cards. Oh. Is it Oh, what is that called? Is it like Once Upon a Time? Uh When I Dream. Oh yeah. I was never going to get there. <laughs> have you played that? I have not played it. No. Okay, okay. Yeah. That would be hard to to get if you haven't played oh, no it's okay it's definitely one i'm interested in playing though uh yeah you you're blindfolded and there's dixit style cards that are come out so you don't see them uh and you take turns mm-hmm. being the blindfolded and everybody's trying to describe to you uh what the dream is and but there's a traitor the boogeyman is trying to like say things to throw you off oh, okay that sounds way fun yeah Okay, my last one is divorce in a box. Divorce in a box. It's not diplomacy, right? No. That's like friendship ending in a box. Divorce in a box. Is it a two-player only game? Yes. Hmm. Let me say it's not lost cities no i've never played that game so i don't know if it's neither have i okay i give up uh code names do what code names do what is it divorce in a box well for matt and i it is <laughs> i didn't have that experience um but i could i could see it happening because you have to you have to give two uh you have to have two connections or else you'll lose you give one yeah you give one clue just what like one card uh you're out yeah we recently played a uh game of codenames duet where we had um we played it three times in a row because each of the three times we hit on the assassin in the first guess oh oh man that's rough 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. My last one. I think you should get this, but I might have been too vague. Let's see. This looks old and unfinished, but it's good. Maybe too expensive. Hey, who put that card in to make the game longer? It looks old and unfinished. But it's good. But it's good. Maybe too expensive. Hey, who put that card in and made this game longer? There's Dominant Species. I've never played that game. Okay, so it's not that one. And that doesn't look too old. No, it looks pretty unfinished. It's a good game, though. Um, is it Food Chain Magnate? It is Food Chain Magnate. Whew. You, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cause I'm going to start keeping score on these and see who the winner is. Okay. Uh, I would say that you're the winner, though. I think you guessed you guessed two out of my three, and I guessed yeah. zero. I guess zero of yours. Uh, well, but I would give you credit for the in the year of the dragon because I think that was a way better answer than what the real answer. <laughs> okay, was. I'll get I'll get half a point for that. So you win two to point five. Okay. <laughs> All right. I think this I think this segment will win. I think if when there, once there's more of us, it'll be a lot more interesting too. So we're not just working alone, yeah. but uh, and there'll be like competitive nature of trying to guess what it is, but. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll construct this maybe a little bit more and maybe we'll give it to you again on the next episode. But until then, we will get to our top three expansions. All right, I don't know about you, Justine, but expansions for me is not always an automatic buy. I would almost rather buy a new game that I've never played than buy an expansion, unless that game is like high on my list. Like I love playing it and I've been playing it or I really like it and it's not hitting the table lately. This will do it. So like that's how I feel about expansions. And so the way I made my list is that I that all of these games are games that I really liked and the expansion actually made it to where I probably won't play without him. Yeah, no, I 100% agree, especially when you start getting the kinds of collections that we have. When Matt and I first started buying board games, I think like our first board game was Pandemic, and we bought most of the expansions for that because that was what we had to play. And when you get bored with the base game, you buy expansions to change it up. But now when we've got a huge collection of board games, you want to play the games that you have. And yeah, I agree. I'd rather buy a new game than something for a game I've already played. Yeah, that's a good point. When I when I first got into gaming, I as well would buy a game, buy all the expansions, get really into it as much as I can before moving on. But I feel like now... It's so easy for me to learn a game and get it played and where it wasn't before because it was just like me and my wife playing games and we had to, um, it had to be on our time. And also um, I had a lot more trouble learning games back then, reading the rules and getting myself used to the game. But now it's so easy for me to break out rules, break out the game and get it played. So yeah, I definitely agree with you there. 
that's a good point too when you start getting more and more games like i don't know when i'm reading rules i can skip over some things i try not to but you know you're like oh well this is like this other game we've played that's a good point yeah or examples you probably don't have to read examples unless you feel like you're not understanding the game then examples are helpful but most games i will skip examples yeah all right on that note let's get into it number three all right my number three is a game that i very much enjoyed before the expansion however i don't think a lot of people liked it as much as i did and i think that the expansion for it really takes it to the next level and makes it a a, a way like heavier game and that is santa maria um american kingdoms so um american kingdoms is a it has four modules that you could throw into it most of them you could put together one of them is like a, a kind of a weird expansion where it it allows one player to play like asymmetrically and the other ones just add more mechanics to it and different stuff and i think it's it just ups the game to a more beefier game and although santa maria didn't feel like it was really missing anything until these expansions got added and i went oh man now it feels like a full game and i feel like uh some of the the some of our gaming group uh would play it more likely with the expansion because there's just more in it so that's why it's my number three santa maria um after matt played the santa maria expansion with you he came home and duped one of the one or two of the um yeah yeah he, he did like the mayor i think uh, i think it's called the yeah. mayor yeah the mayor and then the the one where there's the the dice i can't remember it's been so long um but we ended up buying the expansion we haven't had a chance to play it sadly but yeah i agree it's a great expansion oh i think it, i think it worked just fine with two players in fact i think maybe the asymmetric one where one player is playing the mayans i believe um i think that might work even better in a two-player game oh that would be fun yeah we'll have to give that a try so that's uh yeah santa maria american kingdoms okay my list has some recency bias not a lot okay well okay it has some recency bias <laughs> so my number three is teotihuacan the late pre-classical era um so the base game of Teotihuacan is a great game. It's fun, but you'll quickly find that you're kind of doing the same thing. There's not a whole lot of variation to what you're trying to do. You get points through the same actions as you did the last game. Um, this expansion adds in different modules. Um, they say don't add all the modules in at the same time. I would say if you feel confident, go for it. You just might have to have more people there to remind you what you're doing. So it's better with more players just for the reminder of what all needs to happen. So one module is um, variable player powers. So you have a player power at the beginning of the game that tells you, usually they come with a benefit and a malice. Some of them 
don't have a malice because the benefit's just not that great. But so that's really fun trying to balance that. Um, and then another module is the seasons where each between each eclipse, there's a different game thing in uh, in effect. So you can move your dice further or you have to pay more per worker or whatever it is. Um, and that's a really fun one. And then they've changed the way that the pyramid is built and the decorations are put on. And that, I would say, is almost a must. Um, but yeah, that is Teotihuacan, the late pre-classical era. What's the other expansion you spoke of with Teotihuacan? I don't know if I can say the name. This oh, is a family okay. show. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We said it on the last show. It's not Shadow of... Shadow of Shitla. Okay, it looks like... what we decided. It looks like Extil... But it's, yeah, uh, the pronunciation is different. Do you have that? That came out this year, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we have both. Okay, cool. Um, And that one, I almost put in my list. I would say that both of those together are almost a must, just because that adds so much more variety to the game, even than the late pre-classical era. But it really doesn't change the gameplay enough to me for it to be on my list. Okay. And you could add both of them together, though, you said? Yes, you can. All right. Number two. All right. My number two is Lorenzo, House of Renaissance. Um, Lorenzo is one of my favorite games of all time, if not my favorite game of all time. I can definitely play this game without the expansion happily. However, I probably never will. I don't think it's too much to add in for a new player. And it adds a fifth player. And it adds, I think the coolest thing it adds is asymmetric abilities through families. And it has a really cool bidding system. And this is also Justine's number two. Yes. It's my same, yeah. And I don't think I've ever actually played Houses of or Lorenzo without the Houses of Renaissance expansion. Oh, is that right? Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I played it tons without, and I think the, the the base game is just fine. But once you play the expansion, I don't think you're going back. Those asymmetric powers of the families really make it, and the bidding system is so cool for it because you're bidding like r- possible resources that you can get to start with. So if mm-hmm. you're in a if you're in a bidding war with somebody, you're taking less and less to get the family. And I think that Matt described it best, where he described it as you're almost betting on which family's the best. Like I can do the best with this family, and this is this is how I think I'll do the best is I'll take like almost no resources for it. Yeah. There's some families that um, aren't that great. And that just makes it interesting if it gets put into the bid because now everybody's bidding for everything else. So then maybe one person will get this not great of a family, but a lot of starting resources to give them a head start. So I think it's well balanced that way. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I don't think I've played the base game. When we bought Lorenzo, we bought Lorenzo and the expansion. And yeah, I don't think we've ever not played with the expansion before. Um, I think it's a great, great game. 
it's I think the expansion really adds a lot to it. Yeah, and it adds um, like a different resource, which is interesting because it's locks. However, on the backside of these are different things, maybe an action, maybe resources, and you could just cash them in on your turn or you can use them to buy different cards because it comes with another building, which this like the buildings in, in Lorenzo, they have like green, blue, yellow, purple. Each one is going to do different things for you. Different uh, cards are going to come out like all the green cards are going to come out their territories and you get them, you put them on a certain part of your board. So the last tower that it adds is a mixture of all these. So it adds in some more choices and some of these that you need to buy, you need to purchase them with the locks. So you can't spend the, you can't use the backside of the locks. You have to use the front side of locks to pay for them. But also what's really cool is the engine building part of it. Um, the uh, territories that come out, they have these new cards in that have a circle, a blank circle where you can add the backside of these locks in to generate uh, an engine building aspect to it. So if it's just a stone, well, you could throw a stone on there and now you generate stone. Um, but that's probably not the best thing to do. There's some pretty crazy stuff you can do with it and some stuff you're not able to do. Like, I don't think all of the the locks work on those engine building parts, but a really cool expansion. And I think this is one of the few expansions that I would actually suggest to people to buy it with the base game if they're purchasing Lorenzo for the first time. Maybe try it without the expansion first, but I think the expansion really adds a lot to it. Um, uh, maybe not a lot, but just enough. All right, so yes, great, great expansion. That is Lorenzo Houses of Renaissance, both of our number two. Yeah. Number one. All right, so my number one has been, I, it was a number one on my list just a couple of shows ago, uh, which was like story-driven games, but it had to make number one on this list, and that's Scythe, Rise of Fenris. Rise of Fenris does something really cool with a modular expansion. There's 11 in this game, and it introduces you to them and teaches you a few of them at a time in an eight-episode campaign. That almost feels legacy style because there's tuck boxes that you open up and unveil. And it's really cool because there's an element of surprise there and there's a story there. But also when it's done, it's not, you don't throw any of it away. You don't tear anything up like you do in a legacy game. Now you have 11 expansions where you can add however you feel necessary. And they're good too. Such an experience. This expansion gives you a tremendous experience, awesome story, and really cool stuff in the game that I will not spoil. So I can't talk about it too much without giving anything away, but I would highly suggest this game for those of you that like Scythe. I think it makes Scythe way better, especially when you're experiencing the campaign. And you can play, you could replay it easily. The element of supply, surprise will be gone, but you can still play through it. And I think it's interesting enough to actually play it again. And that's why it's my number one, Scythe, Rise of Fenris. Um, okay, so my number one is probably because of recency bias. I don't know. Um, this one is Merchants of the Sea for Terra Mystica. Um, this adds in uh, boats for your factions that you sail along the rivers, and you can use them a couple of different ways. You can, on your turn use them to pull into an opponent's structure and gain money and resources and 
points that way. Or you can use them as like a jumping off point for building your dwellings. Um, why I put this on the list is because of how it was developed. I think this is interesting because it was kind of... It was definitely the um, designer's idea, but it was sort of playtested and workshopped by people that they knew understood Terra Mystica inside, outside, and upside down. They used people who play Terra Mystica on a website called Snellman. Um, Matt plays all the time on it. It's kind of like a primitive, kind almost board game arena-ish, but it's very, very primitive, not as nice graphics, but you, basically you play Terra Mystica um, with other people. And so these are people that have played hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of games of Terra Mystica, and they were able to playtest this expansion. So you know it works really well. Um, none of the factions are really out of balance, it seems like. So it's a really neat... Um, it's a really neat expansion, and I think the story of how it was developed is really cool, too. Yeah, Terra... Um- Terra Mystica is interesting because it's almost like the new chess for the board gaming community. Like people that are into that game are really into it. And yeah, I probably won't play this game with Matt (laughs) just because it's like, I know him and now I don't play games just to win. And I actually would probably want to play with him just to, uh, see the interesting things that he would do and maybe even become a better player myself in observing him. But I just would go into it knowing I was going to lose no matter what. Because it is yeah. very chess-like. No luck, all strategy. Uh, this is a great game. I really enjoy this game. And I have not had the chance to play the expansion. And I would really like to. Yeah. No, I totally get it. I agree. Um, Matt and I honestly don't play Terra Mystica as much anymore. Just because, again, like you say, I don't play just to win. But when we're playing a two-player game and going in knowing that I'm going to get crushed, it's just kind of not fun. (laughs) Yeah. All right, then that will just about do it for us. Hey, if you want to weigh in on your top three expansions or you have any questions for us that you maybe want us to answer on the show, you can email us at cardsandcubespodcast at gmail.com. That's cardsandcubespodcast at gmail. And you can check out our website at cardsandcubes.com. Cards and Cubes is a production of Pod Cauldron Radio. Uh, you can check out some other Pod Cauldron Network shows. Bub Club, a horror movie podcast, and Rabble, 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 a comedic look at current events. And we will see you in a couple weeks. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.